Hospitality Meets is brought to you by Rotacloud, the staff scheduling app for hospitality teams. Rotacloud lets you create and share rotas, record attendance, and manage your team's annual leave, all in less time than it takes to make a brew. It can also make life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotas, request holiday, and even pick up extra shifts, all through the Rotacloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Welcome to Hospitality Meets with me, Phil Street, where each week we take a light-hearted look into the stories and individuals that make up the wonderful world of hospitality. Today's guest is Vaughan Davis, MD of Dream Hotel Hollywood and CEO of Relevant Hospitality. Coming up on today's show, Vaughan reveals how he spends his days. I just hang out with celebrities all day long. Phil gets down with the kids. I've dropped some bars. Check me out. And Vaughan gets right on message. You know, this industry is by far one of the most remarkable industries in the world. All that and so much more as we chat through Vaughan's wonderful journey so far, as well as delving into the quite remarkable thinking of one of the USA's preeminent hoteliers. As always, if you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to give us a subscribe, a like, and a share across your favourite social channels. Enjoy! And a huge hospitality meets welcome to the show, Mr. Vaughan Davis. Hi, how are you, Phil? Thank you so much for having me. You're very, very welcome. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. Wonderful. I'm here in sunny Los Angeles at the moment, but uh, it's still a beautiful place to live and a beautiful place to be. I'm looking at the Hollywood sign and the Hollywood Hills right now. <laughs> well, you've definitely got a better setting than I have. I'm in my third bedroom in my house, which yeah. o- overlooks the rest of the houses in my development. <laughs> and uh, yeah, no Hollywood signs here or anything like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. So tell the world who you are and what it is that you do, because I, uh, we've obviously had a little bit of toing and froing before we've gotten to this this point. So I've I've got a, a, a definitely a, a way more of a an understanding of who you are these days, but the world out there might not know who you are. So please tell them what you do. Yeah, my name is Vaughn Davis. I'm the CEO of Relevant Hospitality. We're the first AI and robotics powered hotel management company. Uh, we manage Dream Hollywood, uh, and it's also a relevant group as the parent company that owns Dream Hollywood. Uh, and I'm also the managing director of Dream Hollywood. So there's a lot of fun happening here in Hollywood with um, all the hotels that we have in the pipeline and all the projects that we're excited about launching in the future. Yeah, well, you probably sparked the interest of quite a lot of people already by using the wor- words like the world's first AI-powered hotel management company. That sounds interesting. Yeah, I mean, for us, we've always been hyper-focused on a fourth and fifth industrial revolution mindset. So anytime we create, we create with that thought at the forefront of our mind. And, you know, as we all see the advancements in AI and robotics continuing to shape the world as we know it, we've thought that it was a no-brainer to start deploying that tech here at the hotel. So we have two robots that deliver to the guest rooms. Uh, Jeffrey and Alfred. Uh, we have two more coming that will be assisting our room attendants and our house people um, in the back of house with deliveries. And, you know, we use artificial intelligence uh, on the back end, as I alluded to initially. One of which, of course, would be ChatGPT. Uh, that would be the easiest one. But we are building our own proprietary AI um, that we've been working diligently on as well. My life. This is absolutely not the way that I expected this conversation to start off. 
I thought we, we might get, I didn't even know the, the half the stuff that you're, you're doing, but I, yeah. so that's really interesting for me to get into. And we absolutely, I think we will, if we, if we have time to do so, and you're happy to do so. Yeah. I think, you know, we probably should switch this to a three hour long format podcast. <laughs> and maybe I can get in about 2% of what we've been doing. It's, it's been extremely busy for us and we're really excited about it because for example, I'm on the Los Angeles tourism board. So I'm on the executive committee. And I'm a director of the Los Angeles Tourism Board. And I'm on the DE&I committee uh, specifically focused on African-Americans um, within our industry and within uh, our market here. And what the Los Angeles Tourism Board did was they created this DE&I initiative and then they started appointing um, key leaders from every specific ethnic group to lead the charge pertaining to DE&I efforts in the hospitality industry here. So that was... Uh, that one was a bit eye-opening for me, but, you know, being also a member of the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, I'm on both boards as a director, and I'm also a director of the Hollywood um, Partnership, which is the Business Improvement District, and uh, the chair of the Goal One Committee and the vice chair of the, the board itself. So we are deeply embedded in um, the culture and the vision of the future of not only just hospitality, but the future of Los Angeles, and it's yeah. uh, really exciting to wake up every day with something new to do and, and some new initiative and some new focus, for example, you know, um, some, as a part of the big efforts of the, the team at the Hollywood partnership, we were able to get a $116 million approved, um, to address the in-house crisis here in Los Angeles and, you know, Hollywood forward, Hollywood food coalition. Those are two uh, major nonprofits that have taken the lead in the charge and hopefully, uh, finding a way to remedy uh, this challenge that we've been facing. It's a global challenge, but, you know, obviously here in Los Angeles, um, it's a bit heightened uh, just due to all of the visibility. And then the other one was for workforce development. And I think that one was a $1.4 million uh, grant from the U.S. government to help stimulate uh, workforce development, specifically in hospitality here in Los Angeles as a pilot program. Right. Yeah. So you've not really got that much going on then. You're quite quiet. Really. It's a spread, you know. I just I actually, you know, if if you ask my family, I just hang out with celebrities all day long at work. Yeah, so yeah. I just hang out. Celebrities. Hey, let's just uh wanna drink some water? Sweet, let's go get some tea. Yeah, that's maybe fun. I'll get around to work later. That's that's fine. Yeah. yeah. No, that, you, know, that's, wow. you know what though, Phil, that's actually an interesting point. And and I think it's about how do we find ways to educate everyone on the nuances and, and the beauty of this industry. Right, because yeah, where I come yeah. from, I was, I was born in Guyana. I was born in South America, and if you know anything about our diaspora, you know we have a fifty-five percent brain drain, which is the largest in the world. But everyone, the majority of the people, I should say, that leave Guyana end up impacting communities, societies, and economies in a positive way throughout the world. And the majority of them are doctors, lawyers, teachers, nurses. So, for me to take a different approach outside of the family norm has been an interesting. Um, journey I should say yeah well that's actually a really great segue into how we've ended up here then I suppose so let's take us all the way back to the beginning and that you can kind of be the the master of your own destiny here in terms of where you want to take us but the question I usually ask is around how did you get into hospitality in the first place but you and I were talking very quickly before we switched the microphone on sounds like there's a little bit of a story there in terms of, of how you ended up there anyway yeah, I think I was born into the hospitality industry and didn't even realize it. 
right? Okay. So my mom, my and my mom's not surprised by any of this, anything that's happening within hotels, especially specifically focused on service and creating these unique experiences um, here at our properties. So when friends used to come and visit at our home, I would always be the one from as young as I can remember to offer, you know, water or tea or something to eat, made sure that they were comfortable and set up at the home. And my mom looks back in retrospect and says, look, that was something that you innately had. You always knew how to anticipate, you know, the guest needs and be proactive and, and understand you know, the level of delivering something to someone that can change their lives or change their sentiment or their heart or their mind. And I think that started at that young of an age. Um, but being introduced, you know, to the Queen's manners, as I call it, uh, which is, of course, <laughs> etiquette. And you learn you learn that very quickly in Guyana. And, of course, that would be a direct correlation to, you know, the, the British Empire and all of the success that they had throughout their efforts of spreading their empire throughout the world, right? So there's a, there's a little bit of an innate um, influence um, from England uh, on me and my family and my life. Uh, but yeah, so I was born in Guyana. I moved to New York when I was eight years old. And uh, I was quickly did, you, scal- did your mom and dad come with you, or was it just no? My my mom was ahead. My mom was ahead of me, and I think my dad was probably still playing cricket professionally in London. So uh, he was he was a wicket keeper. Okay. So he was, you know, protecting some wickets. <laughs> and my mom moved uh, to New York first, and um, and then I moved up. Uh, probably, I think it was about a year and a half later. And I was scouted at thirteen by the same person that discovered uh, Tom Cruise. Um, I was walking in Union Square, and I was approached by an individual, and, and the rest is history. Because I started acting and modeling at thirteen, and, and stopped doing so at twenty-seven. But I was I entered into the hospitality industry post uh, graduating with a political science degree, um, criminal justice as an associates, and then initially even started as um, a computer science major, uh, but quickly got out of that field because I was already you know playing around with computers since I was four years old, and unfortunately it was pretty boring. Right. <laughs> I was like, I already know this. What are we doing? Um, and then you know my professors talked me into. Uh, aspiring to becoming a politician one day and then also pre-law as well. So heading into law school was one of the big, the big visions that everyone had for me. But my wow. heart took me yeah. into hospitality. Yeah, my heart took me into hotels because as an actor and a model, one of the things that is commonly done is that you work at a job or in a location that gives you the flexibility to go to castings. And, you know, sometimes you might have a shoot and you're not able to go to a static schedule kind of environment. Yeah. So a lot of us, tend to enter into this industry, but I didn't realize how magnificent this industry was. From the outside looking in, you just see, okay, we have restaurants, you have nightclubs, you have beds, obviously people are sleeping in beds, so hotel, nothing crazy. No, this is an entire world ecosystem in a building. It is so exciting and fascinating. It's, a, it's like a, literally a living life sciences and behavioral studies and human psychology experiment. And I find it truly fascinating. Yeah, that's a wonderful way to, to sum it up. And actually, now I'm seeing in your notes, you very kindly alluded to the fact that uh, one of the things that you were not so good at, but hopefully a bit better at now, uh, is public speaking and your ability to kind of, I suppose, verbalize your ideas and thoughts yeah. into to something that people can understand. And what you just said there, I totally get it because that's 
that's a wonderful, wonderful way of summing up actually what goes, what really goes on, not just your experience of going in and having a steak and chips and, you know, a pint of lager or whatever. And then, you know, you have the, the best experience of your life and you go home. There's, an, there's a hell of a lot more goes on around that than you might think. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we approach it as though we're healers. So there's a hospitality industry and then there's healthcare, right? So hotels, um, hospitality, hospitals, put it all together. There's a lot of similarities between the two. They heal differently than the way we do. Um, they're more so physical healers and we are focused on being spiritual and emotional healers. Yeah. And one of the big things for us is everyone should leave our hotels with the joie de vivre, the joy of life. And, and that's the, the power and the responsibility that hoteliers have. You are delivering an experience without knowing why that experience is needed. Someone might have just lost a family member or going through the midst of a very challenging time with a divorce or, or lost their job or whatever it may be, right? A challenging season for them. And they choose to go and stay at a hotel and pay considerable large sums of money, not just to sleep on a bed. Because if they wanted to do that, they could do that in, in a multitude of different places. But it's mm -hmm. for the experience. It's for the emotional healing. It's for their and their 50th wedding anniversary. And they're trying to find a way to find a new spark in the marriage. It's for a first date. It's for Valentine's Day. It's for New Year's Eve to celebrate and bring in the year. I mean, I can go on for hours with all yeah. of the things uh, that we do here in the industry that helps with you know emotional and mental health. And I don't think we've ever really taken a deep dive into our, our real purpose. Like, why does this industry exist? We know from first principles why it originally existed, but it's obviously evolved to a different state now with some of the, the revolutionary ideas towards creating transformative experiences. But I think if you think about our why, we're healers, man. We are healers. That's our why. Yeah. Your job, your purpose that is a promise that you give to people. 3 p.m. is check-in, 12 noon is check-out, and in between that time period, there's a lot of promises that you sent them on social media and then with your marketing team and your PR team, and now you have to execute. And you got to live up to those promises because they're expecting those promises to come to fruition, and that's why they booked the hotel. Yeah, and let's be clear. We're talking about execution, executing the promises, not executing the guests. No, we need them. We want to keep them alive a little bit. <laughs> Yeah, well, sometimes, you know, maybe the thought runs through your head, but no, that, uh, no never, never. That never, happens. never. We would never feel that way. All guests are so loving, so kind. No one ever blows up in our face and gets angry. What are you talking about, Phil? This industry. I don't know what I'm talking about, Vaughn. We don't, deal with, we don't yeah. deal with angry people. No, absolutely. But, um, but no, once again, I, you know, I think um, all jokes aside, yeah. Um, I think the um, again you've you, you've verbalised that beautifully in terms of it's, it's actually just very simple to get your head around. Actually, yeah. you know, this is when they're coming to you. This is when they will finish, and everything that happens in between is your responsibility to make sure that they're having just you know the the best possible experience at every at every touch point and beyond. That's correct. That's you know the guest journey. That's the, the five senses of um, the guest experience. You know, these are all service culture. These are all the little terminologies that we've created, but that's what it ultimately means. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I find fascinating, Phil? I don't want to get into um, philosophy, but 
Oh, uh, you've, you've, co- you've come to the right place. Oh, <laughs> oh, for sure. If I um, if I ever do write an autobiography, my uh, autobiography is going to be called "Being Phil Osophical" in well, brackets. That I like a lot. Yeah. You know what the young kids call that? Uh, they call that bars, Phil. Right. They would say you are dropping bars. <laughs> what What does that mean? So it's um, in hip hop culture. It's you know when when a rapper or a lyricist has like incredible uh, linguistic capabilities that they're able to articulate themselves through their lyrics and then the song, and then your mind goes, "Whoa, did he just say that?" And you get caught up to it probably like three minutes later after the, the rapper says it. Yeah, ah. you sir have dropped a bar. I've dropped some bars. Check me out. Fantastic. I've got a- yeah, I, I tell you what, the um, I'm feeling you, you just you were born to be in hospitality. You're making me feel good about myself. I'm just thank you, but <laughs> you know what, man? That's that's you know you just touched on another point. Um, but all right, so Plato, just look into Plato, everyone, and just you know, I would I would definitely read some of the books that he's he, he has written or some of the conversations that have been documented. But touches on the five senses of the guest experience in there, and I I it's like where did I get this? Where did we get this as an industry? Did, Goes on back to Plato. I mean, you can track a lot back to the the early philosophers. All most of the greatest things yeah. that have ever been said have have come from well, people who philosophize, right? Who just yeah. sit there and ponder. When, but you know, I I have this little thing right now that uh, I've been focused on trying to figure out how to recreate, and it's a room with all of the philosophical big thinkers of today, similar to what transpired in the past, you know, in the amphitheaters and the academies and the gymnasiums or even the bathhouses, right? These conversations were deeply philosophical conversations, but with other philosophical thinkers, right? Big thinkers, so that you can then refine your thought. So you would say something and then of course someone would have a rebuttal or they would say, that's a great idea. Let me help you form that out a little better. I don't know if we have that today. Do we have that today? Was that called is that called Twitter? Or God, X? I hope not. Yeah. X formerly yeah. known as. Um, yeah. Really? Well, or... I mean, I th- that that probably is the real world version, right? But it, it's gone <laughs> it's gone wrong. If Way that off is of... the, the things that we um it, that, that is basically the thing that dictates the direction of travel for the human race, then something has gone wrong somewhere. Something's but I love wrong. your thinking. I I think in terms of the 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 principle of actually having, I think you know the people who really care and the people who who want to make a, a positive difference, a positive impact, whatever that might look like. You get these people around a table together, sparks can fly, um, and I don't mean that in from a, a an echo chamber perspective mm-hmm. in terms of where you're just you're sounding each other out. You want people to challenge your ideas, right? But at the same time, you get enough good minds together who believe they can make a difference it can be it can be powerful yeah it sure can be and um there's inspiration station time um and this happens and you just automatically click into flow state but if someone out there wants to create this app go for it i think you know clubhouse for example was a great idea and now you can probably create a version of that that is exactly what i just mentioned um and be able to connect in person and on the digital realm too but only philosophical thinkers and that was a big thing that plato wanted to make sure that everyone understand and same thing for socrates 
it wasn't about the masses having this conversation because the masses, unfortunately, you know, group think is a, is a big part of their philosophical um, and, and psychological theories. He wanted to make sure that the group that connected and, and started to create and ideate these new ideas were all aligned with this untethered mind, right? Like the Einstein. So, I mean, how can you, how can you talk about the theory of relativity or try to figure that out, wrap your brain around that, right? Yeah sits in their home and thinks of that and that was kind of the idea but anyway we i think we kind of digressed a bit and that's my fault uh, you gave me an idea I'm shared gonna, it with you i'm gonna um well, there's a couple of you're you're my kind of person as well when you say things <laughs> like you know here's here's an idea that i've just thought of and if somebody out there wants to go and take go it on and make it then go for it i i am completely with you on that i think a lot of a lot of time that can be the thing that gets in the way of progress is the yeah. is this preciousness towards this is mine this was my idea nobody can have it but actually you can have an idea and somebody else can see maybe see the path to how you make that happen way better than you can it's very right. rare that you get the person who has the idea and the pathway all in one go yeah you know and um, the reason being is because ideas are scarce and whenever there's scarcity involved uh, you'll find a level of um, individuals that want to make sure that they keep and hold on to these uh, for dear life. But honestly, Phil, I probably get about a hundred of those a day, right. <laughs> and they're not just like wild ideas. They're they're actually ideas that you know, if you have an operations background, you can be able to build out and then execute. And yeah, look, it this this ties back to our industry too, right? And one of the things that I noticed that the tech industry did that, that we have not yet to do is make them, you know, I wouldn't say that all of it, but there's some good tech that's open source. And, yeah. you know, like if you go to GitHub and you go take a look at the repository in GitHub, there's just like endless lines of code for literally everything that was ever almost built. Right. Right. So yeah. us as an industry, I think we've kind of hurt ourselves a bit. Because I understand the competition and I understand the purpose of, you know, making sure your hotel takes more than the market share. We even coined it as stealing market share, right? Not not um, borrowing market share, not uh, getting market share to edify the whole market. It's just like stealing market share. Give me the business, right? Which is, yeah. I understand it. I get it. But, you know, if you take a look at some of the, the major disruptions that have, that have impacted our industry, they're all coming from the tech world. Mm. I'm in the tech world and the open source mindset, I think, is what helps that industry scale and grow exponentially. And it's something that we should probably look at. It's not about being open source about everything, but what can then what can we be open source about that can stimulate the innovation in the industry and take us to the fourth and fifth industrial revolution version of our industries? Yeah. Well, and, and then within that process, you have, you know, today's innovations is tomorrow's kind of norm, right? That's the the basic way that something like that that works so in that process you have somebody who can innovate in this moment who comes mm -hmm. up with something that takes it to a level that they can take it to somebody who can't see that but can see it five steps down the the right, right the the line right. why are we holding it back so that they can't get access to it you know until yeah. then type of thing yeah. um I, I yeah i totally get it i mean you're lewis hamilton the formula one driver has a wonderful saying uh, that I always, if I if I did have sayings up on my wall, they're all up in here. Um, yeah. This would be up here. It's, it's we we rise as one. We rise together. Correct. Know? And our our fight is not with each other. 
um, in in this world. You know, our fight is is to make sure that we make this the best possible place that people can come right. work. Exactly. I, I always found it fascinating. We're we have a new saying that we hear internally. It's um, one species. We're one species, yeah. right? We are the only species that is just hyper focused on eradicating ourselves. It makes no sense. <laughs> <laughs> If you think about it, all <laughs> other species on this planet, that's not the case. They live in unison and they have like, you know, they're, they abide to the laws, um, I guess, of nature and of ensuring the survival of their species, but not us. I'm like, yeah. we're too, po- we're just too many of us in this world. No, we only live on 30% of the landmass, guys, <laughs> you know, but anyway. Yeah, and yeah, we we've we have gone off topic a little bit, but actually, a lot of this is very relevant to to you know the the wider message of of the industry yeah. and uh, and that. And it, you know, this is one of the things I think I love about all of the things that I've read about you beforehand is that I I do see somebody who has is kind of ideas are just part of your thing, and if yeah. you're probably like me, I'm like you in in the sense that I, I have multiple ideas every day. Yeah. 99% of them are shocking. I, yeah. I don't mean shocking as in, you know, belong in a horror movie or something like that, but, you know, mm-hmm. uh, terrible. Um, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. No. Every now every now and again, um, you know, something is is genius. And, and I don't mind blowing my own trumpet when that happens because, you know, yeah. when you come up with something new, generally those around you don't get it. No. And, they, um, and they're quick to kind of shoot it down. Yeah, that's that's very true. You just have to have your guardrails up and, and make sure you're around uh, the, the individuals that can help amplify those thoughts and those ideas. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that anyway, we're, right we're, we're in danger of uh, making this a, a bigger world podcast um, other than a, a well, hospitality podcast. But. Well, it ties into my you know original uh, thought about this being a living life science experiment. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. Nice tie back like that. Everything like that. fits into the hotel that's in the world, man. I was having this really interesting conversation with someone. I was like, do you realize there's some hotels with pharmacies, some hotels that still have prisons, some hotels that obviously we know they have restaurants, they have retail stores, um, coffee shops, etc. But there are some industries that live under the roof of a hotel that people don't even realize existed or even started with hotels. Yeah, I totally. I saw a guy uh, in the UK do a talk around about the the future of hospitality, and it was a it was a wider. It wasn't just really about hospitality. It was about it was about thinking a hundred years ahead. Yeah, and I remember him talking about you know go, if you go back into like the fourteen hundreds and things like that, you know some of the like the land deals that would have taken place in your local pub. You know, to you know, exchange hands between lords and and all of that kind of stuff, and yeah. then, but the you know the bank deals that are happening just down your the road in your you know your local restaurant over uh, a lazy lunch on a Friday afternoon, or whatever. They they're such, and that's just the kind of the bigger stuff. Notwithstanding right. what you were talking about earlier on around all of the other dates that are important in people's lives, it's just it's such a monumentally important part of the world. It is. It is. I mean, it even like if you think about it as a main pillar for stimulating the economy of any any city, any community, any country, it's 
hospitality and tourism. It's travel. That is the main pillar. Yeah. You want to create jobs? Go for it. Do you want an influx of tourists coming into your country or your city to spend money and, and of course, generate revenue and income for your businesses and then build new businesses? I mean, hotels are usually at the forefront of innovation and development within any given city. And, you know, we, we actually at Dream Downtown in New York was a great example of that in the, uh, the meatpacking district. When we opened that hotel, you know, the meatpacking district did not look the way it looks today, but it spurred an incredible amount of development around the hotel um, of businesses that, you know, are still there today. It's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Anyway, let's let's go back to your journey, yeah. um, which is why we're here. Uh, although this is all really, really cool stuff. This is exactly um, one of the things that I've learned by doing this for so long now is that, you know, everybody's got their superpower. Everybody's got something that, you know, they're just really passionate or they just really get. And, they, you know, and like you, you you seem like the type of guy who's very, very happy to share this with the world. You, you're, oh, yeah. go, you're going open source on your on what's going on in your brain. Always. I mean, even down to the, the standard operating procedures for the robots, we actually created it for the company, Savio, to allow them to share that with other hotels that potentially might want to deploy the robots. Right. Because one of the biggest things that I found uh, that's a challenge for us with tech is our inability to understand tech. And that ties into a whole conversation. That's a whole other conversation. But because of that, I said, okay, if it's challenging for a lot of the leaders to understand how this technology can be integrated into their guest journey or service culture, why not create a a blanket, you know, general standard operating procedure template, right? And then share it with Savio. Go ahead, Savio. Go get some new business. And make sure you share this with all the other hotels so they understand how to deploy this tech and use this tech. Yeah, totally. And then we all rise together. Together. Yeah. Together. I mean, for us, it was, you know, either the hotel is going to stay closed or we deploy some robots so we could reopen in, you know, the early onsets of the pandemic. We were closed for two months. And I had to recreate the entire operating model just to ensure that we can have the doors open to put food on the table for the team members that were still here working. Hmm. You know, like that's that's the level of depth and decision making that we have as leaders within our industry. At the end of the day, you know, if you have 100, 200, 300 thousand employees, it's your responsibility to figure out a way to ensure that those employees can still eat every day and their families yeah. can still eat every day. Yeah, absolutely. And never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I'd be having a podcast discussion about deploying robots. Yeah. Uh, I, I do believe there's a new Terminator movie out next year. So, uh, <laughs> Skynet. <laughs> uh, dear. Anyway, yes, back to your journey. So, yeah. we, uh, you, how did you get your start in hospitality then? You said that you were kind of, I suppose, dipping in and out as you were a, an actor. Um, yeah, so I, I started in uh, 2010 at the Gansevoort Park Avenue. It's a uh, 29th and Park, uh, stunning luxury property. I, I think it's called the Royalton now. It's not the Gansevoort anymore. Right. Um, but that I, all of my my leaders were you know uh, five star white glove hotel experience, Ritz Carlton, Four Seasons, etc. And and they were able to really you know ingrain into my hospitality DNA that ultra luxury service culture. So that's how I started. And I was always inquisitive 
And I found um, the industry to be so fascinating. I mean, I would meet all of these unique individuals on a daily basis. And it, for me, was it was like my version of Google. So, you know, this big A-lister walks in, we can connect, have an organic relationship, and then I can ask a question. You know, um, I'll give you one example. I'm not going to say the name, obviously, but yeah. everyone was under the impression that this actor was solely a method actor, right? Which is um, a discipline within the acting world where you actually become the character and you live as the character. So if you're going to be a cobbler, you would act in a movie, you would actually go to wherever, whatever country you want to go to, build a relationship with a cobbler and be a cobbler's apprentice and actually live that life. Then their belief is that you'll be more alive in the scenes. So I asked the actor that and he said, no, that's not true. So I was like, so what are you? He was like, I am everything from every single one of the acting disciplines. So he's gone through every single form of acting, um, teaching and coaching that exists. And then he just took from it what worked best for him. Yeah. And created the actor that we all know as the greatest of all time. Uh, I think I'm dropping a lot of nuggets here. As you, the nuggets are ringing true in my head. Yes. For sure. Right. And honestly, my favorite actor of all time. So to be able to connect with him and, and get that insight was is truly um, inspirational for me. Um, so then I just deployed it in hotels. And, oh, you know, I would go and I talked to the director of sales and marketing, pick her brain, and director of revenue, pick his brain, go to the GM, pick away, director of yeah. housekeeping, engineering, director of food and beverage, you name it. And yeah. ask questions and just be humble about it because, you know, as as you want to grow, it's important that you, you listen to this perspective and, and you learn and you take what works best for you. And now you create a version of yourself that, you know, as I always say, life's an RPG and you have to level up. You need those experience points. And as you continue to take those experience points, you can create a better refined version of yourself that can be someone that actually impacts your workforce and your community in a way that um, not many are able to do. Yeah, God, you are dropping the bars today, mate. Those are bars. Yeah, yeah I dropped that bars. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait for you to use that in another podcast. And oh, like, everywhere I go podcast. now, everywhere I go. This, you yeah. know what it's like when you know you're a, you're an aging man, and uh, you know you do you know I've I've got to that age now whereby you know you listen to the music, yeah, and you go, God, they don't make music like they used to, you know. No, and, no, no, it's different. I mean, we can go, we can go on a musical journey. There's been just a monumental shift in the way music is made, and technology is a big part of that because what they're doing now, they're getting the data as to you know what beats will make you feel a certain way, and you know what hooks will actually influence you know, more uh, listens, streams, etc. So there's a lot of data on the back end that helps to create the music that we hear today. Whereas in the past, um, it was solely mostly focused on just the emotions of the artist, right? The feelings of the artist that created. Mm. Now they've been able to merge the two. I mean, there's still some incredibly unique um, creatives and musicians out there that are just, I mean, creating some music that you turn around and you're like, where did you even get that thought from? How are you even synthesizing these beats? And why, why, why the vocals, um, why do the vocals sound the way they sound here on this song versus your vocals on this song? And when you get into the science behind the way they create music today, it is absolutely revolutionary right 
and it may not resonate with us uh, in our generations, but it's definitely resonating with the younger generations. Yeah, and I, I kind of get that. And I also see, again, to, to bring it back to hospitality, how, you know, that's that's also now prevalent in the industry, isn't it? And from a, a data perspective, utilizing data to figure out actually what is it that the that the guest wants as an experience, not necessarily what we feel would be the right thing to, to give them. Yeah, I always tell everyone there's no more shooting in the in the dark, right? You're not just throwing stuff at a board. Um, now you can have actual data to help you make informed decisions. And that's the way everything should be. Hmm. You should never, I mean, I'm not a fan of making decisions on a whim. Never had been, uh, never in my life. I just don't understand it. I just need to, I need some kind of concrete data that says like, that's a good idea. Go do it. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So uh, yeah. back to your story. Yes. We'll get there. As you say, yeah. three hours later. Um, we'll get it done. What I love about the I, so this is your, I suppose, your first proper run into to hospitality. Is this the point where you've made the choice that I'm 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 all in now on hospitality? Uh, not yet, not yet, because I was okay. still I was still doing campaigns at um, 23, 24. I mean, yeah, that's why I retired at 27. I think I, I probably started taking it seriously. Um, I'd say around 24, 25. And started to build, you know, what the future hotelier version of, of me would look like while simultaneously still acting and modeling. And I, I just like learning about life. So, you know, I was just pretty excited to learn anyway. And if it worked out that this was the industry for me, I'd be there. And then one of my um, good friends at the time who started with me in the industry, was like, do you understand exactly, you know, how much general managers make and how much directors revenues and directors room. I was like, no, I don't really understand. I mean, I was a Bellman manager in training new to the industry. Um, and he goes, here, let me show you. I said, well, that's interesting. I had yeah. no idea they made that much money. Um, and it kind of helped me to understand and, and see a true career path. And I'd already loved the industry. Um, I, I still have fond memories of myself going to the first hotel in Guyana it was called the Pegasus, the first luxury hotel in Guyana. And that's where my swimming lessons were as a kid. But we'd always eat there and hang out there. And, and I think that kind of started to build some foundational memories and, and energy towards this industry. Yeah, you never really know, do you? What What is no. the, the thing that ignites you to, to go and do something? It just it just happens. Just yeah. And maybe even it happens and you don't really realize that until you have a reflection period in your, in your 30s. Yeah. And you think, no, oh, I wonder if that was the thing that really Correct. sparked that interest. It speaks on, it speaks about human psychology, right? And subconsciously, a lot of the things that move us, we don't even realize. Mm. It's all there. These are experiences that you've had. So your environment is what forms you. Everything you've experienced in your life is in your formative years, especially is what creates the person that you are today. So for me, my formative years were in, you know, in Guyana from birth to eight years old before I moved to the, to the U.S. And all of those experiences, you know, being out at my grandma's beach house in the summertime and actually running uh, on the beach all day long and playing and then go fishing and then cook the fish that you caught. Like we would actually scale it, cut it, gut it, clean it, wash it, season it create our own fire, put it on a stick, 
cook the fish, eat the fish. Like that experience I couldn't have ever here in the U.S., especially in New York, uh, where I grew up, right? Yeah, but, there's no way to yeah. do that in, in New York. You can't just not where, not where I grew throw up, a no. line off into the... <laughs> I mean, you could go out to Long Island and do it, but it's not the same type of experience as, as a country that was the least developed country at the time in Guyana. It was um, a yeah. very old world, I should say. Five-star hospitality means having the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's exactly where RotorCloud can help. RotorCloud is the online platform that makes planning rotors, recording attendance, and managing annual leave easy. Its simple drag-and-drop interface lets you create and share rotors with your team in minutes. While our built-in budgeting tools mean you'll know exactly how much you're spending on staffing before sending the rotor out. RotorCloud also makes life easier for your staff, allowing them to check their rotors, request time off, and pick up extra shifts, all through the RotorCloud mobile app. Start your 30-day free trial today by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash fill and find out how much easier managing your team can be. Right. But yeah, so back to my back to my background. Um, so again, uh, to Park Avenue and then roughly a year and a half later, the general manager got a phone call to move on over to the Dream Group and he brought me over with him, thankfully. Um, so I was a bell captain, still manager in training. Um, this was like their MIT program. And uh, we opened that hotel in 2011. And I was there for about almost five years and grew exponentially. I rose the ranks to become a guest service manager, director of guest services. And then I was being trained to become the next general manager within the group to be deployed. My mentor had a just massive Rolodex of impact players. Uh, that he recruited. He's still undefeated in his recruiting strategies and tactics. Yeah, uh, yeah no, we were just a, just this young, rambunctious, like highly energetic, hyper-focused future hoteliers, man. And we created some pretty cool things together. Um, and then from there, uh, I received a phone call to come and help open Hotel 50 Bowery um, through Two Roads. And an individual that actually was a part of the Gans Award team with, with me initially that actually trained me on how to do room orientations as a bellman which was pretty cool. Right. Um, we received that phone call. It's a small world, isn't it? Yeah, received that. I'm telling you, this industry is a very small world, and that's why it's always important to put your best foot forward at all times. Yeah. Uh, because you just never know when the phone's going to ring. But yeah, so I moved on over to Two Roads and opened that hotel, but simultaneously worked with um, the task force team at Two Roads to open hotels all throughout the U.S. and then even transitioned some hotels um, directly there in New York. And then I got connected with a whole new group of, of mentors that taught me how their way of creating culture in, in the workforce or workplace and how to build an organization and how to create values and, and just deliver on the guest experience, both internally, right, which is your team members and externally, which are your hotel guests. Uh, and I was there for, I think, roughly three years. Um, and during that that time period Hyatt acquired the brand so then I had exposure to the Hyatt team and how Hyatt operated which was a whole new world for me which is also exciting because beforehand uh, I, was, I was strictly associated with um, luxury boutique uh, hotel operators I never got to see you know a, a group with 200 plus hotels and how they operated so that yeah. was that was an eye-opening experience for me and I learned a tremendous amount from that group I mean they changed my life. They changed my 
excitement about the industry. They just changed my overall mindset. And really, right? Yeah, they really helped to form um, the leader that I am today. And I still remember those core values, you know, like, be you. What? Is that a core value? Yeah. <laughs> live, thought, yeah. live your best life. What? <laughs> Free to go beyond. I'm like, oh, these are so good. <laughs> yeah, where's this stuff coming in about business and strategy and stuff? Right. Right. Like all of that existed, but they understood the importance of focusing on your internal guests and your external guests, which are your customers. Because, you know, if you go back to first principles, your team members are the ones that are responsible for deploying your vision and executing your vision as a brand. Mm -hmm. So if you don't take care of your team members, how do we expect them to take care of the guests? Yeah. Right. So that was always just the strategy. Pretty cool. Yeah. But it's the greatest strategy that exists. In, it is. in business, it is. right? And the thing about that is, for me, since I've been working in hospitality, I, I feel like it's been something that we've spoken about all of the time. Everybody yeah. knows it. Everybody knows that the best way to, you know, give your guests a great experience and therefore, you know, be able to you know, command the fees that we command for rooms and things like that is yeah. to ensure that you've got a group of very, very happy driven team members. That's um, very yeah, Very they're, you know, they're constantly traversing throughout the property and they're connecting with guests while the majority of general managers are either in their office or in meetings. So you can't handhold the experience 24 seven. Mm -hmm. You need to trust your team to deploy the same level of service you would have deployed if you were in that role. So yeah. it's really important to take care of your team members. And that's what the tech industry has done incredibly well. And, and that's why we saw that that mass exodus um, with the last black swan event that impacted our industry to tech a lot of we lost a lot of our human capital to the understanding that they knew that they would get stock options they have a flexible work schedule um they can work from home if they wanted to uh, and they had a mission a goal uh, towards whatever that tech company was focused on if you ever look at some of these tech companies their missions and their goals are just so grandiose um, and sometimes uh, unattainable that team members buy into that culture and are like, we're just going to continue to build to this yeah. impossible goal that we'll never reach, but it's all good. We love it. We have a purpose. We're yeah. purpose driven, and it was their passion. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, know. I'm, I'm all. I'd love. I love the the principle of chasing impossible goals because you you don't know what's impossible, really, do you? No. I mean, you, you no. until you until you give it a right good goal. Yeah, I mean, look at it. Look at it from. Elon's perspective, right? If Elon decided to listen to everyone around him, none of the things that he'd accomplish would have been accomplished, yeah. right? They're all relatively impossible if you think about it. Um, he took science fiction and he made it a reality. Uh, I mean, the guy has rockets that are taking off and landing on their own. And he has, oh, man. The first right? time I saw that, I was like, this is this is fake, right? Got him to guy. Wait, did you just launch a car into lower Earth orbit? What's going on here? Yeah. How many satellites have you deployed? Wait, so we can get internet from a satellite and high-speed internet through Starlink? I mean, think of the things that he's done. He's not the only one. There's there's a multitude of others out there. Like, think of Sam Altman, Alex Karp. Um, you can always talk about Jeff Bezos as well and Mark Zuckerberg. A lot of what they've accomplished would, would have been considered impossible. Um, and you don't know if you can achieve it if you don't try. 
And the same, that's the same thing I tell the team here. Um, we are working on some really revolutionary things behind the scenes to change the landscape of this industry. You know, and if you asked me maybe 20 years ago, if the robots would have been deployed in large scale at hotels, I'd say no. Right. But yeah. we have two that have been delivering since 2020. And we're in conversations right now with um, some major robotics companies just to see how, how much further we can push the innovation. And, you know, understanding what the purpose of NASA or the purpose of the philosophers that we spoke about beforehand, uh, where it's, it's not about trying to just do something that's impossible. It's about creating new innovative thought. A lot of the tech that we use today actually comes from NASA your gps your 3d printers right and it's you think about nuclear fission and fusion those all came from impossible attempts at something that has never been done and you think of of quantum computing and you think of artificial intelligence that comes from a guy who accidentally created a neural network and was like oh wait this can be deployed in computers he was just trying to map the human brain then he ended up creating a neural network 30 years later 40, 50 years later, here's AI. Mm. That's the beauty of thought. Is that also, do you think, a necessary shift that we all have to take as a yeah. as an industry? I mean, not well, maybe even as a as a as a species. Yeah. But let's keep it on hospitality. But so because you know, it's widely reported and it is you know, it's an absolute statement of fact in the vast majority of very well developed hospitality uh, countries that staffing is a is a problem and as you said you know a lot of that is to do with the fact that they've had their head turned into other industries so if if this is something that's not going to go away overnight we kind of almost don't have a choice do we other than to to turn to technical innovations that can add value not necessarily just do it for the sake of it but you know actually add value to your your systems and processes yeah, because we, we play a very important role. And I think, you know, I remember one of my mentors said to me once, it's not rocket science what we do. It's getting there, though. <laughs> well, well, I don't know. I agreed with the individual at the time. But now when I look at it in retrospect, I disagree. There yeah. is an incredible amount of different industries, subjects, you name it, that fit in under the roof of a hotel. You know, as, as I alluded to before, it's a, it's a Petri dish. It's a life sciences exercise, right, or experiment. And... When you think about hotels and our importance in the future, I think it's important to see that we play a role in interstellar travel. We play a role in space tourism. We play a major role in, you know, hopefully one day we end up going to Mars. You're going to need hoteliers, people that understand how this industry works, to build out that experience of traveling for that extended period of time, right? And you're not in suspended animation. No one figured that out yet. You're not in cryo sleep. That hasn't been figured out. So who is going to create the experience for people paying $300,000 a person to travel from Earth to Mars? That's us. This is our world. This is what we do. Who's going to create the experience for Project Artemis and Project Gateway in lower Earth orbit? That's us. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You You just sparked a thought in my head with all of that because my day job is a I'm a recruiter so mm-hmm. and I just had a, a a thought in my head if I'm the recruiter that manages to get the the brief for the general manager of you know the spaceship or whatever it is it's going to take 
the these guests to Mars. Yeah. And you then you've got to sell it. You know, and you know we always talk about uh, hardship locations. Uh, I mean, yeah. Mars has got to be pretty hardship. I, I'd have thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the way the way that it's structured now, it'll be extremely challenging. But yeah, I think by the time we're ready to deploy on on that type of a journey, uh, robotics and AGI and quantum computing, all of those little fun um, uh, evolutions in tech should. Uh, be commonplace mm -hmm. so what you would do is you'd deploy just a massive group of robots empowered by an ai to go to the planet first and they start building the infrastructure so when we arrive you know the crops have already grown in the biodome and the hydroponics and aquaponics has already been set up and you know the oxygen units and the structures are built and now we just come in and help add additional value to deploying civilization on that planet. We'll see, yeah. though. Well, you've not given this any thought, have you? Not at all, no. I don't think about this stuff. I actually just hang out with celebrities all day long. I don't know if you know. That's all we do. I've, I've heard. Yes, that's 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 it now, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's, uh, you know, I try to tell... I, I also coach football. I coach baseball. I coach track. I'm, I'm very involved I'd, in... I'd written team. that down, actually, because... Yeah. On your Instagram feed, I uh, was checking out some of the stuff you've done, and actually, uh, the messaging around the work that you do and the, the sports coaching for the kids, yeah, uh, to me is just uh, it speaks volumes about what you stand for. It's not even mm -hmm. this is, that's because that's not the stuff that you're, uh, I suppose, even being you're showing up to demonstrate to the world what you can do. You're showing up to make these people better human beings. That's it. That's it. Period. Yeah. There's no other reason that I'm coaching. It's about mentoring and develop the future leaders of the world. Sports yeah. is a just another key pillar for society building um, because the character traits and development that transpires with playing sports is something that you cannot replicate. I mean, I played five sports in high school. Um, played two in college, and football being the, the sport that stole my heart. I mean, it taught me an immense amount about how to just persevere and how to just go through life and, and just try and aspire to be great continuously. And it built the source code um, of who I am today as an operator. So I use sports as a great way to build better character leaders while also infusing like financial literacy or interview training. This is another thing I've done with some of my kids because some of my young kids actually are receiving scholarships at ages that they shouldn't receive scholarships and are having, you know, they connect with schools and they have to have conversations. And, and these schools, these recruiters will start building uh, their person, the personality of that individual in their mind and think, does that, individual look like a good fit five years down the line for our university. So I start working with these kids at a very young age on some of these intangibles. And another one is, is there's social media etiquette. You know, I talk to them all the time. I'm like, guys, just be careful what you post, be careful what you do. Because 20 years later, they might turn around and say, you are this because of that thing you posted at 12 years old. Yeah. Right. So it's, um, I think it's in, in, incredibly important for us to be involved in community building just as a whole. But I always try to motivate, inspire, and encourage 
especially ex-athletes too, right? Like if you played a sport, go and give back, give back to the kids because you're just building a better future for the world, which our goal should be to become a type one, type two, type three and beyond civilization. And we're, I think on the Kardashev scale, I think we're like a 0.7 right now. Um, last time I checked, which in the year 2023, it's, it's unacceptable. We should have already had a Dyson sphere at this point and figured out how to utilize, you know, all of the natural elements here on planet earth as energy. Um, to allow us to then evolve to the next form and next state of our existence. And if you have the one species mindset and the type one civilization mindset, then collectively we'll work together to edify everything and everyone around us to get to that goal. Yeah. God, I, again, more bars, man. More bars. bars. Yeah. Yeah. I, do you know that I, what you just said to me there, I have no idea what you've said in terms of uh, the 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 type one. I've not heard of that before. So Ooh. now I'm I'm going to go and look it up when we're when we're finished with this because that sounds really really interesting. Um, yeah. And there'll be there'll be way more intelligent people than me listening to this podcast going, yeah yeah Phil, we know about that. Don't don't worry. But yeah, it's true though. I, I and we've actually spoken about this on the show so many times amongst so many different people around the part that hospitality plays in that community building. And actually, yeah. you know, and it's not just about the that uh, experience of the the guest or the people that work with you. Sometimes you have a, a situation whereby you know the the mother, the son, and daughter and granddaughter slash son all work in the same building. You know, because yeah. it's such a a central hub for that local community, and um, and and I think it when hospitality is done really well and it respects that that respects that it's not just there to service the needs of the guests that come through the door but it's actually there to play a massive part in the local community um i think it's it's a a great step forward i mean yeah there there are i've i've interacted with room attendants that are like third generation room attendants or engineers who are like second or third generation engineers and hoteliers you know, this industry is by far one of the most remarkable industries in the world because there's literally anything that we can't really do under the roof because everything is interconnected to the world. So, for example, us building an art of an AI, it just sounds like something that we should be doing, right? As opposed to something that seems far-fetched mm. and that's specifically focused on the hospitality industry and refining thought and decision-making with an LLM and an NLP and building out a neural network that supports all of the intricacies of what we do in the industry. And then being able to scale it and give it to some of the small, uh, small businesses that exist in the world. You know, there are a lot of mom and pop shops that are small bed and breakfast hotels that they don't have the, the human capital that some of these larger in, uh, hotel companies have to be able to create new products and have decision-making that can help the business flourish. So why not support them as well by giving them the power of that collective thought and human capital in the form of an AI where they can now run their business just like any other, you know, large scale hotel management company. Yeah. Goodness gracious me. You're blowing my mind today, sir. Um, <laughs> Where uh, where are we now at your journey? I've, I've lost where yeah, we got so we're, to. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're at Dream. We're at the point where I received the phone call to uh, come to Hollywood. So this was always a project that I was really excited about. I recall when we initially had the announcement internally in New York, and I said, I want to be there. 
I love Los Angeles. I had originally committed to USC. I was here for one week and I was like, nope, I'm going back home to New York. But I love Los Angeles. Los Angeles is as close to Guyana as I think I'll get here in the US. And I mean, it was a no brainer for me. I, I mean, I can go skiing, snowboarding, mountain climbing. I can go to the beach. Um, I can go dirt bike riding. Uh, what else can I do? Swimming, obviously, we know by going to the beach. There's, there's just no limit to what you can do in one day here in LA. I can yeah. do all of that in one day if I want to. Right? Big Bear is a hop, skip, and a jump away. Malibu's not far. Santa Monica, Hollywood. Everything that you want to do can be done in one day here. And there's just no better place. So when I got that phone call, I was like, yep, that's a no brainer. <laughs> Let me think Where about that for a second. Where I come, sir. Yeah, I was like, let me not think about that. Yeah. I, already, I already booked my ticket. Um, so I moved the family, and I've been here now for going on five years, and just recently embarked on, on a new journey, um, given the acquisition of the brand by Hyatt. So we decided to manage our own hotel here with Relevant Group and Relevant Hospitality. And I told one of the partners, it's like, there's, since we made this transition, um, I'm getting a lot of phone calls with all these hotel deals from people I've built relationships with over just an extended period of time in the industry. And not only just in the hospitality industry, but even in the entertainment industry across the board, all the relationships that I've had over time in every industry that I've been involved in, I'm getting phone calls now. So it's, it's, he goes, let's go, let's go start it, take over. And I'm like, okie dokie, let's get this party started. And now we're up to about 35 different hotel deals in various markets and in various wow. stages of development. Yeah, with people that have never, a majority of them have never invested in the industry and they're excited about exploring um, this new in, in investment vertical. So it's been an eye-opening experience while simultaneously ensuring that Dream Hollywood um, is as successful as, as ever and, and continuing to scale the company as a whole. So it's been a, been a fun journey. So here I am today at Dream Hollywood and, and just ensuring that we're able to execute on the overall vision of the partners and, and the brand. Yeah, and just and obviously then just out at sled parties all the time as well. Yeah, just every once in a while. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you ask my mom, like I said, it's all I do. Yeah, yeah, no, that's but it's the same as um. Yeah, there's there's loads of memes fly around the internet about what recruiters do. You yeah, know, it's like what what people think you do. Right. Actually, the reality is very very different. I think the reality usually resembles like war in the trenches. You know, so that's that yeah. sort of. That's sort of like it's not quite that bad. I agree. And I, I was in, so this was a meeting um, pertaining to workforce development where we were able to get the $1.4 million grant, right? And I said to them, I was like, hey, everyone, when's the last time you saw a TV show, a movie, a cartoon, anything that glorified the roles within hospitality? Mm. Crickets. And I mean, yeah. the last time, I'd, I'd say the Grand Budapest Hotel, maybe, or the Jamie Foxx show. Right. right, like that was pretty cool. That got me excited about yeah. the industry. But even that was it was a bit outlandish and a bit quirky and all yeah. of that, right? It made you excited about it, though, right? Yeah. So, you know, uh, entertainment is plays an extremely important role in motivating the collective thought of the civilization for the future. So, whatever we consume, we'll start to think and create. Like Elon, for example, Hitchhiker's um, Guide to the Galaxy. He'll tell you that's his source code for everything that he's created. So everyone, yeah. if you haven't read the book, read the book. If you haven't seen the movie, watch the movie. It's satire, but it motivated this guy to create robots and self-driving cars and 
a brain chip implant and an AI that's now going to be worth about $90 billion last time they checked with OpenAI, right? Um, but it's a book, entertainment. That's what started it. But for us in the industry, I think we've, we've kind of missed that PR and marketing perspective of how you, you build awareness for the future generations, you know, outside of all of the academic uh, infrastructure that needs to support the next iteration of our industry, there still needs to be a front-facing entertainment arm of it. Because if the kids can't see how cool it is to work in a hotel, they're not going to think about working in a hotel. Oh, man. I mean, yeah, once again, you're speaking my language 100% because we often talk around the vast majority of the, the hospitality programs that we get are Gordon Ramsay shouting at somebody, usually, you know, and that's, that's about it. Branding. Yeah, and exactly. Would you want to work in a kitchen right now? No. I, well, no way. I'm going to be yelled at and, and berated. I mean, that's not how every chef is. Yeah. I even had that thought process young, early in my career that every chef was like that. Right. And of course, you're going to interact with a chef that is literally just like. Yeah, it's inevitable. Yeah, yeah. to help reinforce that thought. And then it's always that one chef that comes around wearing some some uh, fresh Jordan ones and, you know, with a custom chef's uniform. And you're like, who is this guy? And he's not yelling. Wait, I can actually walk in the kitchen and ask for something and he won't yell at me in the midst of dinner. Prep? Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. So, you know, to your point, we need to think of our collective branding. What are we doing to change the mindset of everyone out there to know that this is one of the coolest industries to work in, where literally almost every job under the sun can be done from a building like this or any of the other buildings? And it opens you up to just like human anthropology, life sciences, and all of these, these amazing studies so you can understand human behavior and understand how to operate a business, understand marketing, understand PR, tech. I mean, there's so much that goes into what we do that can be actually applied elsewhere too. Look, if you get into a hotel and you're having a great time and you love it and you're learning a lot and you decide to go to another industry, you could take a lot of what you learned from this industry and deploy it there too. Mm -hmm. I'll give you one quick story. There's a young lady who was an assistant front office manager of mine. And this is, you know, I, I mentor quite a few people now, but this this young lady I'm, I'm super impressed with, uh, specifically because we used to do, during our stand-ups, we do Meisner training, right, which is repetition to teach the team members to be more alive in the scene, right? Because, you know, when you leave the back office, you're on stage. Yeah, yeah. Things, okay? So we used to do Meisner training because I wanted them to work on their acting muscles and to really make guests feel you know, truly that they're delivering an organic experience. And we became number one on TripAdvisor in 45 days. And I was like, ew, of opening. We opened the hotel, Hotel 50 Bowery, 45 days, number one on TripAdvisor. We still have the record today. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. There's something to this. So then I as opposed might be to something here. <laughs> oh my gosh. As opposed to your standups being the same exact way they've always been. And the Plato touches on this, right? This is... um. It's just about passing on old information and just accepting it without at one point stopping and saying, does that still apply to today's world? And then, and or evolving it to match, we just accept it and we just keep going. We just blindly follow it. Yeah, we've been doing that for 2000 years. Don't need to change. We don't need to innovate. Yeah. Yeah. So 
when when you when you think of our industry from that lens and from that perspective, I think it it, it can really motivate and inspire you know the next generation to come and build some really cool transformative experiences that can heal right all of our guests at the end of the day mental health is extremely important as we all know here today there's a loneliness epidemic come stay at a hotel we'll take care of your loneliness yeah <laughs> yeah god almighty i feel like i could talk to you all day i know uh, we're yeah. doing quite well we're doing quite well but yeah um a good time no, I look. I I am eminently conscious of time, and uh, I am very very grateful for the for the time that you've given to this show. Just, yeah. I mean, you cut. You've covered pretty much everything that I would have wanted you to cover, uh, and that, that's not me trying to dictate the, uh, the the play of things. I think your story's great. I think you're you. clearly actually what you are is a really wonderful advert for the industry because you. <laughs> you're clearly a very well-read individual you, you spend a lot of time using your brain to figure out how to do stuff better yeah. and that's you know we need more of that we need we need everybody to take that on um, absolutely thank you so much i appreciate that yeah it's a exponential growth mindset man that's it yeah that's how i've I'm, only ever what... had a growth mindset so i need to go to the exponential level <laughs> I, that's what I do with all the kids that I coach and all is the adults that I mentor and professional athletes, actors, you name them, you name them all. And I think it's important to really just continue to expound on that story about the young lady. She ended up getting all that information um, through the stand-up about how to invest in stocks because we started teaching them about financial literacy and um, essentially left the company and started investing on her own and took 2000 to 10000 and 10000 to about $250,000. And then I bumped into her on Clubhouse and she has over 100,000 followers on Clubhouse this is in the middle of the pandemic. And there's literally like 50,000 people in this room listening to her speak. It was the craziest thing. And she's speaking about how to invest in, in stocks and you know options and so on. Uh, ultimately, I got on the phone with her and I said, hey, you need to start a hedge fund. And she was like, okay. So she started an investment club and now she manages over 50 million. Wow. Ex-assistant front office manager, 28 years old on Forbes magazines, 30 under 30, right? That's, That's amazing, man. Yeah. But also what I love about that, because this is not about the industry hanging on to everyone. It's Correct. about letting them flourish, right? It's about this might be what you need right now. But actually, if we can help you get to where you really need to get to, then yeah. you're going to have a great time while you're here. Yeah, because you create this kind of cyclical environment, right? She, she now is in the finance world, but her identity, her source code comes from hospitality. So whenever she's hosting an event, she goes to a hotel. Whenever um, there's some kind of momentous occasion that transpired in her company, she's at a hotel or a restaurant, and she always comes right back around. Yeah. So. It's all about the collective good, right? Uh, totally. Could not agree more. I, I'm conscious of the fact that we've done all this talking. We haven't really spoken about your hotel. You, are, yeah. you're, I'd, I'd love to learn about it if you've got time to, to tell us what you, what you have. Interestingly enough, we've been talking about my hotel the whole time because everything hey. I've said is what we deploy and what we do here at Dream Hollywood. Um, so we're Dream Hollywood, 178 um, keys, as we say here in the industry. That would be rooms. 
uh, with highlight room on the rooftop, which is 12,000 square feet, stunning views. We have a lounge, we have a restaurant, we have a pool and six cabanas that are adorned adjacent to the pool. Uh, the pool floor was one of the first in the, in the Western uh, hemisphere in North America to have a floor with hydraulics built in underneath. So we can actually lift the pool floor to then the water dissipates into the valleys on the side, sits in a well underneath the pool floor. And now we've extended all of our functional square footage uh, for events or anything we'd like to do uh, on the rooftop. Uh, we have a gorgeous 2000 square foot uh, presidential suite called the guest house. Any and everyone, you name them, they've all stayed there and they love it. <laughs> uh, and then we deployed the first um, NFT gallery, uh, not just not in the industry, but just in the world here. It's called the Crypt Gallery. And the vision behind deploying the gallery was I was becoming a little tired of seeing the same art over and over and over at hotels. And I always wondered if there was a way to transform art programming to be a little bit more dynamic as opposed to static, right? Because it's quite expensive to switch out the art of the hotel. So we have these digital display mediums throughout the property that we have full control and customization as to what art is displayed and we can change it based on themes, seasons, whatever's happening in the world. Like for example, we did a drop for bottles of Ukraine. We partnered with Perry Cooper and then the proceeds from the sales of his art went to families that were in need in Ukraine. And that live drop happened here at the hotel. We have the two robots that I spoke about. We're um, definitely, as alluded to earlier as well, uh, big advocates for artificial intelligence, and we continue to build. Um, we hold uh, weekly artificial intelligence calls internally. Everyone on my team, for the most part, uh, that's by a computer, they're utilizing AI to help with you know, expediency and being able to execute um, at a much faster rate. And, and IDA too, because the AI is helping us to form thoughts and, and create new programs based on the data and, and so forth of our guests that we have and the psychographic of the guests that are staying here at the hotel. And then we have Tao Restaurant, which is the largest restaurant in Los Angeles. It's roughly 25,000 square feet. And then, excuse me, Beauty in Essex, which is another, um, it's 10,000 square feet and it's elevated American cuisine. Uh, we have, and then we even have Mother Wolf around the corner, which has a six-month waiting list right now, and that's authentic um, Roman cuisine um, by Chef Evan Funky. Uh, yeah, so there's quite a bit going on here, and uh, we're pretty excited about um, the future of the hotel because we have quite a bit in the pipeline that we're hopeful um, will be transformative for everyone who comes and visits and stays with us. I mean, you've I made the a gym. fan. I missed the gym, Phil. How dare I? We just launched a new gym. It's called Athletic Games oh. on the second floor. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't stand the fact that the majority of hotel gyms are under-programmed and underutilized. And uh, we actually created a gym that's a fully functional gym with um, Travel Gaines uh, from Athletic Gaines. And Travel trains, he and his team train all of the tier one, for the most part, athletes here in the U.S. and beyond and in actors and celebrities and so on. So... They're all training at our hotel now. Wow. God, yeah. So as I kind of alluded to earlier on in the conversation, you really don't have a lot going on at all. You Not just, at all. Yeah, just, you know. Uh, just hanging out yeah. with celebrities all day long. So. That's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, Mom. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, no, look, thank you so much for your time. I, I am very, very grateful. You've made a fan out of me for sure. I um, mm -hmm. And if that, if that speaks to... 
what your hotel stands for, um, everything that we've spoken about, then yeah, I got I, as soon as I've saved up enough money, I'll be over on. on oh, the next love flight. oh man, let me know when you're coming. I'm not kidding. We'd love will. to have you stay with us. Yeah, we'll work on that off off screen. <laughs> Very good. Yes, that's not a deal to be done on on our. There's no deal. Yeah, where are we talking about? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> excellent thanks so much Vaughn I wish you all the very best for uh, for 2024 and beyond thanks Phil we'll see you New Year's Eve man let's get it done very good <laughs> cheers alright cheers and there we have it spending time with Vaughn just blew my mind and it's clear that with people like him at the helm of businesses and hospitality that we're in the best hands possible we'll be back as usual at 8pm next Wednesday for another story from hospitality so until then thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week